Hello and welcome back to Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Pod, where I'm your host, Gary Howard. We'll be talking about a murder that I found during my 10-hour break at some of the truck stops I stop at, or this case will be in my yard, where I was at in Joliet, Illinois. And as always, it would be so helpful if you do like what you hear, please share with a friend, and that person can share, and let's just spread this. And, of course, go to iTunes, where you could rate and review Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Pod. It would be greatly appreciated. Let's help this make this thing grow. And like I said, today's episode was coming from my yard instead of a truck stop. Now, next week, I'll be going back to the yard because I do come to my yard a lot in Joliet, Illinois. But before I even say anything about the crime, the yard or thing, I got to ask everybody, what is going on in the United States today or the world? This coronavirus really got everybody up on, you know, going, you know, crazy. And the only thing, I'm going to ask y'all a question. Maybe if you could get back with me on my some of my website, you can find me on the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That truck stop murder. I've been trying to ask everybody logically, what does having a clean asshole have to do with preventing you from? If you have an answer for me, that's fine. But all the racks are. Went to Walmart today over here in Rochelle, Illinois, where I'm at right now. At the Road Ranger in Rochelle, Illinois. That's where I'm at. I decided to go down to the Walmart and see if it's actually true what I've heard, seen on news. But, yep, everything I heard was true. There's no toilet paper, no baby wipes, no paper towels, no nothing. That I mean, they they weren't totally out of stuff. They were just out of stuff that, dumb things. There was still food there, but they were very low. There was no eggs, of course. There was, water was going out. It was crazy. But I, I was able to get some stuff that I needed. I need to stock up my truck anyhow. But enough about that. But yeah, if if you know why people, the toilet paper, I can understand everything else. But the toilet paper was baffling me. How is having keep, keep clean asshole prevent you from getting a coronavirus? Please tell me your opinion or view on it on Truck Stop Murder on Twitter and Facebook. Or you can email me at gary.howard5 at yahoo.com with that information. So, the case that I found today is Christopher Vaughn. And as, as I was researching this, I was trying to figure out why wasn't this more well-known in the podcast community not really covering this. Come to find out while this was going on, it wasn't really bringing much attention to it because of Drew Peterson was going on at the same time. Matter of fact, in the courtroom right next door to where this person was... In fact, they even share the same personnel, you know, court people. So, and plus, with Drew Peterson, it was more cases because his lawyer really promoted it. When every day they were in front of Julia Courthouse, talking about his case, so he was kind of overshadowed by this person. But this person was Christopher Vaughn, where he had. Well, I'll get into it. Let's talk about his family. So, his wife Kimberly Vaughn, and. Kimberly and Christopher Vaughn, they was told it was made an odd couple. Friends say she was ebullient social. Well, let me get further into this. This is a case that I found while I was in Joliet. Now, this didn't actually happen in Joliet in my yard, but it was nearby. So I do try to do cases that surround it. But this idiot, this asshole, was convicted of killing his family, which I will further get into. And if this is something 
that you might want to know, learn about, since it was, like I said, it was really not a big thing. I tried to look it up, but not too much came up about it. But Christopher and his wife, Kimberly. So let's get into the storyline. Kimberly and Christopher Vaughn made an odd couple, friends say. She was an emblant social butterfly with a million-dollar smile. He was tectrum and withdrawn, occasionally given to anger conversations. So they married at a they, right after they met at a miniature golf course and had three charming, well-mannered children not too long after that. The kids became the center of Kimberly Vaughn's life. While her husband advanced, so he in his career in computer security, like cybernet computer stuff like that, which that's what basically his career was based around, which popped bounced him around the country here and there, which I'll get into. So Christopher Vaughn, two years younger than his wife, went to Francis Howell High School across town, playing on a soccer team, and joining the national the National Honor Society. They married only a year after he graduated. Their first child, level-headed, artistic Abigail, was born November 1994. And 15 months later was Cassandra, a fun-loving girl. And then they had their son, Blake, which is sweet, bookish, was born in 1999. So there's, they have their three kids and he, doing life good. Kind of like myself, but the only thing is I have two girls and one boy where he had two well, actually, he did have two girls and one boy, so it's the same. But my boy was kind of like the middle. That was a time where they moved to St. Peter's, Missouri, near St. Louis. Kimberly Vaughn struck her neighbors as a chatty and delightful person who was always playing with her children. Where Christopher Vaughn doted on her but otherwise kept to himself. He was one of them hard people. When he interacted with the neighbors, he could be unpleasant which was Leonard, who was one of his neighbors who lived in the, on the same Missouri subdivision as Vaughn said. He was hammering one day in his garage at 9.30 one night when Christopher Vaughn came over in a rage and confronted Leonard's wife about the noise, nearly reducing her in tears. So finally in 2001, according to public records, the family sold their house in St. Peter's, moved to Shamuish, I, I know I'm gonna put it, I've been trying to figure this out. Sam Amash, S A M M A M I S H. I won't keep saying Sandwich, Washington. I know that's not. But it's an outpost of Seattle just up the road from the headquarters of Microsoft. There, where the family, Christopher Vaughn, got a private investigation li investigator's license and set up a company where he named Stonebridge Security. That specialized in preventing cyber crimes. Neighbor Kelly Taylor, which one of the people that lived, said he appeared to be successful winning contracts from banks to keep their internet transactions safe. Christopher was also well known as being good at what he did because there was a lot of kind of there was there was not too many people doing what he was doing out there, what he said. So the family lived in the clapboard house in the cul de sac set among towering pines and of set in towering pines and friendly kid oriented neighborhood where Kimberly Vaughn showed exceptional devotion to her children. She helped out the elementary school and kept an eye as uh, we'll say in 
kept an eye on them when they were playing outside. So she was kind of like the neighborhood mother who kept an eye on the kids while they were playing, make sure nothing happened. All by displaying a chillful, chillfulness that was distract contrast to her husband. So she was totally opposite of her husband, where she was really friendly and neighborly, where he pretty much just kept to himself, you know, kind of isolated person. So one of the neighborhood Trish, neighborhood Trish Brock said Christopher Vaughn would keep to himself at gatherings at and at times he detected darker notes in the couple's relationship. So he was always a little bit, for my taste, domineering. Some would say controlling. She said kind of old-fashioned, like I was saying. This may be a better way to explain it, how he was. So, like one time, he was like, hello, it's 6 o'clock dinner. I don't see it on the table. And then he was sort of snicker, like he was kidding, but... She knew he was and he was just trying to do that to keep face later on. He'd be like, I was not yelling at you. I was just wondering where dinner was. I was joking, blah, blah, blah. But she knew that he wasn't kidding. Another neighbor, Kim Mohania. I feel like Jimmy Wisman on his names. M-O-Y-N-I-H-A-N. If you don't know who Jimmy Wisman is, let's let's take a break for this. If you do like... True crime and stuff like that. He is a co-host with James Petragallo on Small Town Murder and True Crime and Crime and Sports. Almost said my podcast. Well, you can listen to mine too. There you go. Where you? What really got me going on this with the true crime and different things? It wasn't for them. You wouldn't be this. So, anyhow, further do further. Let's move on. So Kim Mayhem said Kimberly Vaughn once looked into a intern position you know trying to keep her busy to learn the ropes for about forensic investigations but dropped the idea when her husband wanted her to stay with the children chris brown was a gun owner and enthusiastic outdoorsman so he liked it i think this is where everything the tides actually turned once he was in washington because he realized because he was not too far from canada which that was his dream to be like a frontiersman, live out in the woods at the Yukon in Canada. So I think this is where he really started it. So he was really enthusiastic outdoors, and the neighbors said he tried to interest his wife in hobbies by taking taking her shooting range along with bow hunting. Which I'm gonna say right now that she was definitely better. I'm I love my wife, but there's no way in hell that I'm gonna take her to the range and bow hunting. Hell no, she is not taking no part in no bow hunting, no part no hunting. If she don't like to do it, she ain't doing it. But I still love her. And she actually back to Christopher Vaughn. She actually put on the the camo. She she actually put on the like I said the camouflage outfit. She poured deer pee on her head and went out erupted for a couple of days. They said so. Yeah, she's really trying to really get into what he likes to do trying to like what couples do so the family time in washington ended in 2005 taylor said they moved to chicago which brings where we're at after christopher vaughn was recruited to work with navaga consulting computer forensics stonewood security still appeared to owe which we they still appear to owe state workers which i haven't really figured that out yet but they were some composition taxes, everything. He said the department he was ordered uh, audit determined the exact figures. 
The Vaughn sold their washing house for $446,000. Wow. Almost $120,000 more than what he had initially paid for it. And stayed in a two-story apartment. So this guy, he definitely knew what he... I mean, he was definitely a smart man. He was definitely not an idiot, by all means. So while they were trying to find their, their, their stable house, they lived in an apartment in Aurora before buying a large $417,000 house in Oswego in May of 2006. The Vons took out two mortgages nearly equal to the purchase of the house according to public records. With Christopher Vaughn focused on his job which included regular travel to Mexico and Canada, Kimberly Vaughn established herself as a social whirlwind so she was out there. She was, if she was there she was everywhere. She interacted with the neighbors. She acted as part of school. She was just one of the mothers who do that. So neighbors said that she was always online courses in criminal justice of the University of Phoenix. So she was actually even better than herself. You know what I'm saying? She she wasn't one of the mothers that was wanted to sit back and just be barefooted, pregnant at home. She wanted to better herself. So therefore, both of them. So if anything happened, you know, better than mine. So you know, and also it's a good thing for the kids to see their mother really want to progress Nate as well so and her, Nick it said so back she was going to the University of Phoenix said her Nick her sister said Nikki asked her older sister by the way she does have a twin sister which I'll get at later on during the trial so on June 9th her family said she marched into graduation ceremony and there she had she only had one and a half credits left to do but they still allowed her to go ahead and graduate, which I think I'll show you a picture of. Once this, I'll put a picture of it on social media about this. It looked like a wonderful family. Everybody's happy. Christopher I'm doing happy. She got her degree. Everything's happy until the day of, let's see, where everything just fell apart for them until the morning of June 14, 2007. So, the, the morning of the 14th of July, no, June 14th, 2007. So, probably about 5.14. Well, let's just start off how the day went. They woke up, woke up the kids early in the morning and decided, let's go on a family vacation. So, they were heading to a water park that was in Springfield, Illinois. So, they woke up, got the kids up, ready to go. And off the road they went, which is not a far drive from Chicago to Springfield, Illinois is only about three or four, about, I would say about roughly about three and a half hours for if they take 55 south. So let's jump to that morning of 14th of June, 2007. So at 5.40 that morning, Christopher Vaughn was stood bleeding near his vehicle parked on the shoulder of Interstate 57 in Shanahan Township, Illinois. He waved down a motorist who discovered that the wounded man had been shot in the left wrist and left eye. Vaughn's wife Kimberly and her three children were inside the 2004 Ford Expedition. They had all been shot to death. The motors called 911 and got the police out there. So Christopher Vaughn's gunshot injuries turned out to be glancing bullets, so really not bad. Wounds on were very minor. After being treated and discharged from the hospital in Joliet, he submitted to questioning by officers of the Illinois Police Department. Vaughn said his wife, now here's where the story is different. You know, like there's always, well, most people say there's like three, four, you know, 
there's actually just two sides of the story. There's his story or a person's story and the truth. So Vaughn said, this is his story so far. He said that his wife, because I forgot to say this, but she was having a lot of, you know, she gets a lot of migraines and she anxiety, depression, like that. so she was taking a lot of medication for that. Some of the medication that she took would say sometimes, will, you know, suicidal tendencies in it. But a lot of the neighbors or friends didn't say she really showed that. So the medicine sometimes will make her sick. So Vaughn said that his wife asked him to pull over the road because she was feeling ill because of it. After bringing the car to a stop, now keep in mind this is all his story. He went on climbed out to the vehicle to check the luggage and tried to tie the rack, make sure everything was secure on the SV. So when he got back in the vehicle, that's when she shot him twice with a pistol. Close range, but the wounds were just superficial. Kinds of wonder what happened. And then he managed to get out of the vehicle. He went fleeing for his life. He states where then once out of the line of fire, he heard the gun go off several more times after in, from inside the vehicle where he was just at. We returned to the vehicle to check that his family was dead. He found that his wife would, had, what he claims that he found that his wife had murdered his, her, his children and turned the gun on him, pretty much suicide and mass murder where they found actually found bullets in all three children where they found one in the head and one in the stomach and matter of fact I'll get more into the discussion once I get into the trial where he said like I said he was defending for his life so they brought him down to the police station to question him about it all where they said that he was really not worried he didn't seem worried about his family he was more concerned about himself and stuff like when and talk real low voice and stuff like that in fact, while being investigated, the, some of the investigators, in fact, when the police pulled up, everybody was saying that it, they were hard not to tear up because it was such a, a gruesome sight. And of course, any time when there's a child or young baby murdered, or anybody murdered, but especially when it's his children, I noticed a lot of society really gets sad about that. So when they brought him to the, um, they questioned him in interrogation, and he was just running around in circles. So eventually one of the police officers pulled out a picture of his kids and said, let me hold you this. You look at this, that's your family. You know, and he went and touched me. Finally, he just crumpled, he goes, didn't want to talk about crumpled. And the police officer actually got mad and said, don't you fucking touch my pictures. Well, eventually he kind of, which I don't know why he did, he apologized for his actions. But because they didn't really have nothing to hold him on, they they just took his story to everything and let him go. Weeks later on, right afterwards, he had took off to Missouri because you just can't keep him when they have no evidence, they have no proof, they're nothing, and they have not did an investigation yet. So they 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 released him because they couldn't hold him, and said stick around. We might have to ask you some more questions later. Where he had went to Missouri, you know, following you know getting ready for the funeral arrangements and stuff like that. So he left, so they, after the, you know, further, you know, checking out the car, they burned the car, they found out that, well, while at the, the police station, they did actually, you know, test his clothes, they did all the, you know, hands, all that stuff. So in other investigations, so like that, found out that his story did not add up to what the, the forensic evidence proved. There's blood spatter on the jacket, there's blood spatter here, where the gun was located at, then actually, because she was, Kimberly was right-handed. And they said that she had fired with her left hand where he mentioned, which is totally false. There's all the evidence proved that it was 
nothing more than murder. Because there was blood on him where it shouldn't have been. The gut was where it wasn't should be. And the story's crazy. And actually on my Facebook page, I actually posted I was able to go to his location where it was at. If they had pulled off on the side of the road, they would have pulled off. And it's right there, right south of 80 on 55. I don't quite know the road of it right now. But it's like about the third exit. So he could have went off the feeder road and stayed on our feeder road. But where it is located at, you would have to turn off the highway, feeder road and everything. Going on to a service road and pull into. So it was out of the way. So he had, I believe he had planned this out with the murder and everything like that so finally they went and found him he was in Missouri where he he gave up without bringing him back so the trial started about 2012 not too long after so on September 20th 2012 following a five-week trial talking about the forensic evidence stuff like that for you know six hours of closing arguments the jury after a 50-minute deliberation returned a verdict of of course I almost said you, sir, may fuck up, but that's not my podcast. But anyhow, he said, be gone with you, guilty on all four accounts. But here's the thing about that. At the time, Illinois did not have a death penalty, which the judge really probably, they probably went and went that path. But in 2006, they had abolished the death penalty. So the only thing he get was life in jail. So the judge said before imposing the sentence was very frustrated. He said he was very frustrated by the state legislature's restrictions on parent reference to Illinois, like I said last year, to get rid of death penalty. He said there isn't a punishment that fixed the crime, states the, the attorney said. You could lock him up for 500 lifetimes. It would not compensate for the victims in the case of the family murders. So with the judge, this is what they concluded that what happened where he had they had woke up that morning because keep him at, at the time he was want really wanting to be uh, you know live out in the woods in the Yukon so like that but unfortunately his family was in the way so he his plan was to wake up that morning and go to the water park like I had said earlier and leave and that's when he was going to accept this whole plan was in motion which was a horrible plan to begin with so they pulled off on the side road. Maybe she was sick or something like that. I don't know. But the kids were in the back sleeping because they got up like about 4 o'clock in the morning. They were ready to go. So what happened was, according to evidence proving that while, when they pulled over, he had reached over and put the 9 mil underneath her chin and shot him, shot his wife, Kimberly, and then turned around. And each of the kids had shot, you know, Abigail, shot one in the head and one in the belly. And then we just went along with Cassandra to Blake. Just shot each one was shot in the head and the belly, and that's when he did the wound to himself and decided that his wife, because of the medication, everything, that she was a, a suicide murderer and tried to put it on her, where he did have a life insurance policy on her, where he was the sole benefit, and at the time he was collecting a lot of survival outdoor you know equipment so like tents camping gear and stuff like that because his plan was to go out to the Yukon and live it up so during the trial actually even came in, you know people a lot of people testified about him talking about what type of person he was like Kimberly's father Dale Phillips said the, the family never saw a sign of Christopher Vaughn was dangerous like most killers but he always seemed unemotional he wasn't really into that 
He says, I don't think he felt the way we felt about our grandchildren, said Phillips, who said he had hoped to hear some explanation or apology from Vaughn. Well, keep in mind, during this gone, he never fairly felt apologetic. As a matter of fact, when he was at the police station, they, after an investigation, they came out where the paramedics was kind of helping him out, you know, attending to his wounds. He was actually making, you know, talking BS because they could do through the two-way mirror, he was like, oh, they're playing good cop, good cop with me, everything. He was not really taking it seriously. He never asked about how his kids was doing, never basketball ice. Matter of fact, in one moment, they asked him, you know, you know, your three kids, you know, your wife and three kids are dead. He goes like, no, they're not. They can't be. They can't be. The total denial. And he really talked about it. In fact, in leaving, he was not concerned about the well-being of his kids or wife. He was more concerned about his clothes that he was wearing and his boots. He was worried there might be blood on his boots. That was the type of person he was. Very unemotional, did not care about his family, but he was something that he wanted to get out of. Instead of leaving, he decided to take him out. And like I told you, Kimberly, his wife, she was just graduated from, so he could have left, she would have took care of herself, and then took, everything was moving good for him until this day, like I said, so, and then at her daughter, Abigail, what they called, people called Abby, was 12. She was an accomplished student, an athlete who had just begun wearing eye makeup, who was slain while clutching a Harry Potter book. <laughs> a Harry Potter book. She was just a little kid and a stuffed animal. Cassandra, or they called Sandy, was 11, was an animal lover who was trying to pursue, persuade her mom, let her start a dog walking business. So, yes. Yeah, Really outgoing kids was killed next. And Blake, a, a kind-hearted boy who loved baseball and an outsized vocabulary was saying less. So he just went from oldest to youngest. Apparently after raising, you know, the kid, his son, Blake actually saw it coming. So they saw that he was actually trying to defend himself, you know? And as a father of three kids, I just don't see how individual do this. It just seems crazy. So here's where it's getting concrete. On Tuesday, Kimberly's identical twin sister, imagine how she feels. Jennifer Ledbetter was her name, explained that she feared her looks. So she, because of this, it put her in like a self-emotional thing about the way she looked because her personality traits and her looks and personality traits was a painful reminder of the rest of her, to the rest of her family about Kimberly's absent and violent death. So anytime she looks in the mirror, she's going to see her sister. Every time her family looks at her, she's going to see her. Maybe they might not, but that's what maybe goes on her mind. She said, it crushes my heart, she said, be separated from her sister. They both would have turned 40 the following month after the trial. So later, her eyes later flashed in anger and seemed to look at Christopher during the trial. This is while the trial was going on. And spoke of the betrayal by a man welcomed into our life and loved as a family so they lo they did like him and it's our hearts ache with the knowledge that they were priceless to everyone but the one man who should have loved them more than his own life which i like i said i can understand that having kids myself which i would do without before they do without by all means and to include my wife desra she said of the force of her mem family members 
So while he was sitting there, that was the first time he had when his twin sister, I don't know because he saw his wife in her, but this is the first time he actually showed any kind of emotions about this. You know, the awkward time during the hearing. He looked back over his shoulder and found me during the led the courtroom to sentencing. So the sent let's get to the sentence where he got he got four because of the death sentence. Got you know, there was no longer no death sentence. He actually I remember this, I think it was two like I said, two thousand six. Where they got rid of all death penalty, all death penalty people that was on death penalty was, demo, you know, switched over to life in prison without no bro. So what he got was four life sentences without pro. So back to the, you know, the, the whole core thing. None of the detectives questioned Vaughn about the murder suicide scenario. They were convinced that he had murdered his family. They then strategically, strategically, I'm sorry, I'm mush mouth got that from Dan Cummins, which is another podcast I listen to called Time Suck. And he also has Scared to Death podcast. So, and also, there's some two podcasts. Where could, or you can just be a spade listener and you can listen to Sick or Suck. Like I said, these are podcasts I like to talk about because they're the ones who really got me into it. There's other ones, but at that time, that's where Victim Murder I do like. There you go. You, you'll find it fascinating. So none of the text questions Vaughn about the murder-suicide. They were convinced that the, he had murdered his family. The tr- oh, yeah, now I remember where I got that. I got bleh, by my mush mouth like Dan Cummins. But he's very entertaining. But the officers didn't know why this seemingly radical but emotionless man had committed mass murder or how they would be able to prove it without an eyewitness or a confession. But the course of forensic science proved, you know, evidence proved, proved different than what he was saying. This case looked like a cold-blooded mass murder committed by a killer with nerves of seal, according to them. So according to Will County forensic pathologist who performed autopsy, Kimberly Vaughn had been shot under her chin, like I said. Then the killer had shot the children in their chest and heads. Their death was ruled homicides. So on June 20th, 2007, of course, the members of police uh, back to the trial where before everything happened, they had seized a lot of his computer stuff and stuff like that in his home at Oswego. Three, this is one of the reasons what really kind of helped it go along. Three computers and several boxes full of personal items included in the things removed from Vaughn family dwelling was a magazine containing an article to how to make a murder look like a suicide. Flag one. Detective also learned that the suspect had purchased a handgun used in any killings in the state of Washington, and that on the day of the murder, he had practiced shooting, you know, shooting the fire range and everything, kind of like another case that I know, which I'm not going to detail about it, where she got busted, my wife's cousin Rhonda, before she had, you know, murdered her ex-husband at the time, she actually went to ranges and shot and shot, you know, practiced shooting, and she actually told an instructor how do I use this weapon in this scenario and explain to the whole scenario? Eventually, maybe I might carry, cover that case around the Glover. It may not be in our future. So just like that, he had shot, you know, practiced the weapon and make sure that he got it down pat before he went then. So on June 20, 2007, members of the Illinois Police Department, you know, they seized the articles, found out he was shooting at the range. And the days before the quadruple, Here's where he got crazy, where some of the evidence actually got him in trouble. So, 
before the murder of the quadruple murder well, let's talk about this so a lot of people talk on let me see in the days before the quadruple murder Christopher Vaughn has spent $5,000 in a suburban strip club where he had confided in a pole dancer because you know them they're the, the most you know if you can't strip, you trust a stripper who can you trust nothing against strippers they have to have a job too hey if I had some I would do it if I was a woman for sure especially a good-looking one no doubt about that so strip club where he could find in a pole dancer that he was having material problems Vaughn had told friends that he dreamed like I said escaping a rat race by moving to remote cabin in Canada's Yukon territory where he was telling the stripper he also stood inherit Back while I was back to life insurance, one million dollars in life insurance, and which always baffled me how people get life insurance policies and decide it'd be just 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 kill him and nobody would think the wiser. So investigators believe that Vaughn had murdered his family because they stood between him and his desire to move into a new life. So that was his plan. And of course, it all failed miserably because he got found guilty of murder of spending four years in prison where right now that's where he rots at to this day where hopefully well actually he'll never get out because it's without parole so he will never be getting out and like i said if you want to know where it's at you know i posted on my facebook page and instagram page about where this location was at and maybe and like i said it baffled me that this was not a well-covered case but like I said during Drew Pearson was going on it was over kind of overshadowed by that so there you have it the case of Christopher Vaughn who wanted to live out in the wilderness you you know with stripper because later on he did try to get that stripper to move with him in Canada and where he had tucked his wife and kids out to do that and let's talk about them Kimberly Vaughn was 34 Abigail Vaughn, 12, Cassandra Vaughn at 11, and Blake, his son, at 8. So some people, I don't know. It's just best. To, I mean, if it came to that, he would just, he should just left. There's no reason to take their lives just so he could live with strippers out in the Yukon and everything. It sounded like he had a pretty good life, you know, but he decided that he had different plans. So if you do like that story... Oh, before I forget, I'm going to go to a part that I call the Bolo Report, where a friend had shared with me earlier today. And right there in, in Quincy, Illinois, where we're talking about the um, Bolo Park. If you know what Bolo Reports, be on the lookout for. I'll post a picture on this on my social media page. So the Quincy Police Department is asking for help in locating a 12-year-old Carly Miller she was last seen on March 13th wearing a gray and bl gray, black and white windbreaker and black and gray leggings and a blue and white shirt. Any information about this missing subject can be forwarded by contacting the Quincy Police Department at 217-228-4470. Like I said, she, if you live anywhere near the Quincy, Illinois area, or even if you're a truck driver listening to this, because it could be a truck driver who took her and be traveling around. But if you do, like I said, I'll, if you do listen to this and you live in the United States, go to my social media page where you can find this at Truck Stop Murder on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
or myself at Gary.Howard5 is my yeah, all three as well Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can just email me directly and if you want to talk to me, but we're not talking about me, we're talking about this girl that needs to you know find her way home. And with us, maybe we could help her get home. And I'll post that picture on social media. And as always, thank you for listening. If you like this, please go to iTunes or Stitcher and help promote this thing. Rate, review, and any platforms that you find fit that where you listen to. Let's spread this so I can keep this going on. I probably will keep this going on just because my wife likes us. And her name is Desert Glover. Thank you, Desert Glover. Desert, for everything you do for me. Help this be motivated. And next year will be 20 years that we've been together. So, like I said, if you like that, please rate and review on iTunes. And always, you can't fix stupid, but you can sure numb it with a 2x4. And always remember, families first. The woods will wait. Sergeant Austin, out. Uh-huh.